You are listening to the Bridge Community Church Podcast out of Warrington, Virginia. Our church exists to connect you to God, others, and the marketplace. For more information, you can visit us online at bridge4life.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you are blessed by today's message. And good morning, everybody. It is good to see you on this Memorial Weekend. So glad that you made church be a part of this particular weekend. We are in a series called Facing Cultural Headwinds, The Need for the Holy Spirit. And uh, this will be the fourth message connected to the series. We have been looking at the book of Acts and some scriptures associated there, but today we're going into the book of Galatians. And so I'm going to ask everybody to stand for the reading of the word, if you would. Some of this passage is familiar because it contains what they call the fruit of the Spirit. So Galatians chapter 5, verses 26, or verses 16 through 26, let's read this together. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Now, Holy Spirit, I pray as we study your activity that is designed to come in and through our lives, I pray that we can have an open heart, mind, and God, we ask that you help us to see whatever the next dimension of our faith may look like. I pray, God, that we can see the activity that you have in store for us through your Holy Spirit. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. 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 The Lord bless you. Be seated. So over the last uh, couple of weeks, been speaking on this topic, and just very briefly, want to highlight what one particular thing that I said last week, and that was this. We showed you where Jesus along with uh, some of the other writers, have often referred to as the Holy Spirit as the gift, singular. Then you come into uh, the Corinthians and some places even in Romans where Paul mentions the gift. So there is the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then inside of that are gifts of the Spirit. So it's important to understand, and they were very clear in the kind of language that they were using, the gift of the Spirit, and then the gifts that flowed from the gift of the Spirit. So now we're jumping into what I would say is Paul's uh, uh, teaching as it relates, and he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. 
One of the reasons we're doing this whole series and we're processing this has to do with this. How do we overcome the diversity of opinions on the Holy Spirit and come into unity? It's actually critical that we become unified, not based on let's badger people, let's, let's, let's intimidate them. But we seem to have it all together when we come, what, who's the Father and what's his role? We, we understand who Jesus is and his role, but boy, we get to the Holy Spirit, and I mean, it goes all over the map. It's fragmented. And I might just say this, could that be the very thing that is crippling the American church because it was the Holy Spirit that was designed to continue the work of Jesus? But if we can't agree on what that looks like, how are we supposed to coordinate activity? So the idea, listen to me, is for me is, is to help get us on the same page, not for, the, not for my purposes, but for your purposes as it comes to following Christ. And so it's actually a mandate comes from Ephesians 4 verses 11 through 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, teachers to equip his people for works of service. So my job is to help you be equipped for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. So it's telling us right there that one of the responsibilities we have is to identify things where people aren't connected and agreeing and address that, listen, from a biblical standpoint. And in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So there's a maturity that we can't attain until we become unified in what it is that we're actually trying to do or what we express in our faith. Now I've said this many times, text without context leads to pretext. So last week I did a lot of this. I'm going to do it again today. And that reason is this. Today's preaching requires the ability to demonstrate how one arrives at truth before proclaiming truth. In other words, everybody wants to know the process, how that you know that that was need, needed to be the proclamation. The day of just a pastor proclaiming is not enough. People want to know how you got there. So consequently, I have to slow it down. I have to because I have to take time to share the process. But that's a necessity of where we're at. So we're looking at this today from that process. We'll look at a little bit of the background, again, so that we can understand what was being said and what its purpose was and what it was designed for. So let's just go back to the basic. Here's the basic thing about the Holy Spirit. It's, people have all kinds of opinions about what the Holy Spirit does, how it works, but I just want to get us all on the same page. It says, you, this is what Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Does everybody agree? I read that accurately. Okay, how many would say I, I read that accurately? Okay, so here, this is key. The primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is to empower our witness. I didn't say there weren't other purposes. I said primary. No matter what you believe the Holy Spirit does and how he does it, if it doesn't change what you're doing in front of unbelievers on Monday through Saturday, you're missing it. I don't need to be a witness to you. You're here. Okay? Witness is in front of people who are not followers of Christ. 
So I know that there are all sorts of things that people will branch off. Yeah, but the Holy Spirit also, I, I agree with that. But I'm saying primary. Because that's what Jesus said. The bottom line is, no matter what other expressions I have in my life as it relates to the Holy Spirit, this is what's supposed to be happening. It's supposed to change my interaction and my impact on people who are not followers of Christ. And I will say this, that is the tripping point when it comes to the Holy Spirit because many of you in this room know people who know how to be holy on a Sunday and on Monday you're not quite sure what God they represent. You say, Pastor, I can't believe you said that. Yes, I did. Everybody has that story of somebody who was holier than thou, anointed, whatever, this all, and then by Wednesday you ran into them and you weren't even sure they owned the Bible. But man, they could turn it on on a Sunday. And, you know, they're anointed and they're this, but there was, and I'm just saying, I don't doubt that they had a hunger for God. I'm just telling you, I don't think they grew and matured in their faith. Just there, Even though I'm a, I've committed my heart to Christ, I have the ability to, to still need to grow up. And I'm telling you, yes, I've run into people who have been followers of Christ, and they've never grown up. You say, man, you're being mean today. No, I'm being truthful. Because we've all had to explain somebody's behavior that was off the reservation. Can I get a witness? And it's tough. And then you're trying to explain the legitimacy of something while somebody's completely off the reservation in their expressions. And it's frustrating because you go, there's a real thing here, but this distortion has taken up all the oxygen in the room. I'm here to say this, we need to take back that ground and proclaim what it is that should be done. And I'll give you the second thing, how about we just do what they should have been doing? How about we do that? How about we do it right? Bottom line is this, it changes your impact in front of unbelievers and with unbelievers. Anything less than that. You're missing what its intent was for. And everybody said amen. amen. So, here's the thing about power. Power has to be regulated. It's not just power. I just gave you some examples of what happens when power has no boundaries. So let's use the example of, of gasoline. Many of you have gasoline in your vehicle out there, okay, and you're going to be going home and you're going to be experiencing thousands upon thousands of explosions inside a cast iron type engine. And because that explosion is confined and controlled and regulated by a thing called the carburetor and the up and down motions of your pistons and a fuel pump and some electronic timing, those explosions will move your vehicle forward and it will be a pleasant experience. But we all know what happens when you put a match to gasoline outside of a, of a container. It's, it can become an explosion, right? 
And so it's important that that power be regulated or something that was manufactured to do good can become destructive. It's the same way when you come to electricity. Thank God they have reg, you know, regu, uh, substations and things that can control the electricity flow. Otherwise, you would be electrocuted. Something that was designed for good becomes hurtful. It's the same thing when you come to nuclear power. We all know what a nuclear power can do in a bomb. But it also can power submarines. It also can power electricity. It also can power ships. It has so many other benefits. It's, and again, because it's regulated and controlled, that power is positive. You have the same thing with fire and dynamite. I could keep going on and on. The point is... Power that is regulated has the ability to be constructive. It is the same way with the Holy Spirit. What are those regulators? The fruit of my spirit, the fruit of the spirit in me. Otherwise, I will take something that God meant to be good and become destructive with it. We've all seen people get injured, quote, in the name of God. And it wasn't God, it was the person's flesh. And so the fruit of the Spirit are absolutely crucial to be cultivated. Listen, this fruit of the Spirit needs to be cultivated in conjunction with the kind of activity that God is sending through my life through the Holy Spirit. When my fruit development falls behind the activity of the Holy Spirit in my life, I can hurt people. So my development in the fruit of the Spirit is crucial so that I use what God is giving in my life in a positive way and using it in a constructive way. My development in the fruit of the Spirit is crucial in conjunction with the activity of the Holy Spirit comes in my life. And everybody said amen? So we're going to look at this a little further, okay? So everybody read number one. Fruit is the product of harmonious external and internal processes. And I'm talking about literal fruit, okay? Now, the word fruit comes from the Greek word kapos, and it means acts or deeds, okay? So acts or deeds, that's what we're taught when we say fruit. Now, what it, why did he use the word fruit? Why, what is he talking about? Why that imagery? Well, because fruit is a product of external and internal processes working together. What's the external? Well, you need the right climate, right? And, and it has to be a diverse climate because you just don't need sunshine all the time. You also need rain. And by the way, it's supposed to rain on Memorial Day. I'm praying that it doesn't. I'm praying that God would limit the activity. I have four grandkids coming to my house. That means that everything that we scheduled to happen outside will be moved inside for 36 hours. <laughs> oh, Jesus, please have mercy. <laughs> yeah, some of you know what I'm talking about. Every parent knows what I'm talking about. Oh, God, they need to get outside. So they need climate, the right kind of climate variations, right, from sunshine, temperatures, moisture, okay, that's, and it needs to be planted in the right soil, okay? That's all external. And then you come to the internal processes. That, 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 that fruit tree will take nutrients out of the soil, will take the moisture out of the soil and take it into the plant. And there's a whole internal process, and then the fruit is produced. What produces the fruit? Internal and external processes, both. 
It is not either or, it's actually both, and they work in conjunction together with one another. It's the same way with us, because Paul speaks of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, do not be misled, bad company corrupts good character. So he's saying, be careful where you put yourself, or you could be setting yourself up for failure. Another way to translate is this, when you accept Jesus, he's going to change your playgrounds and your playmates. And if you don't know that, you now know that. Okay, you can't keep going to the same playgrounds. You can't keep hanging out with the same people. They'll, they'll, it, it'll pull you back in. That's why Jesus needed to save you. You're around the wrong people in the wrong places. Okay? And it's, it's, like people, it's like people who drink and they get set free. If you're an alcoholic, trying to go back into the bar and sit is the wrong time to ask Jesus to set you free. You should have been saying, Keep me away from the sidewalk that leads there. You're a little late. Same thing. It's, it's too late to be saying while you're standing here doing a deal with a drug dealer, oh God, help me with the drug. No! You should have never taken the sidewalk that took you to the drug wheeler. You got to back it up, man. You're, fight, you're fighting the battle too late. You should have been fighting that battle early. Hey, if you've been to AA or Celebrate Recovery or NA or any of those, they will all say the same thing that I'm saying right now. They'll just say there are some sidewalks you just can't walk anymore. There are some people you can't be in their presence anymore. Not because you hate them, but what they're into will pull you in you got to change your external, my friend. And then it talks about in John 15, verse 4, remain in me as long as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So there's that internal process. So which one is it? It's both. I have to have Jesus helping me order my interior world, but i got to understand how I make the decisions about my external world as well. It is both. Everybody said amen. amen. Number two, read it out loud. There is a deeper relational realm of the Holy Spirit. There are two lists that are very obvious as we read this. The acts of the flesh, there was a list, right? And then there was the fruit of the Spirit, another list. There was actually a third list. But because of how it is formatted, you didn't see it. Because in, in a Western mindset, we say, well, this is, if you're creating a list, this is how you do it. How many know they weren't writing from the West perspective? So he actually has a third list in his passage that we read today. And it has to do with the activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So notice this in Galatians 5.16. He says, so I say, walk by the Spirit. So this is where the Holy Spirit, we can walk by. In other words, he is with me, by, he is directing. Then in Galatians 5.18, he says, if you are led by the Spirit. So in other words, there's this ability of the Spirit to lead me somewhere. So I can walk by the Spirit, but I can also be led by the Spirit. This is in contrast to you leading the Spirit. You say, well, go with me. No, you need to be saying, help me to go where you're going. Amen? Then in Galatians 5.22, he says there's the fruit of the Spirit. Then in Galatians 5.25, he says, since we live by the Spirit, isn't this interesting? He assumes that you are. Isn't that crazy? There's the assumption. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't even begin to be doing this 
without the Spirit. So he just says, since, since we live by, it is an assumption that that's what people do. Then he comes to Galatians 5.25 again. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. So this is implying this, that I can be too slow or I can be too fast. I need, I need to stay in step with the Spirit. I don't want to get ahead of God's activity. I don't want to fall behind it. Hmm. Notice all the reference. Oh, oh, there's more. We didn't read all this, but I'm going to go to Galatians 6.8. Whoever sows to the Spirit. In other words, I can do things in the Spirit. I'm sowing, and then it says in Galatians 6, 8, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Today, there would be some evangelical churches that would go to the Apostle Paul and say, excuse me, I think you got that wrong. That's Jesus who gives eternal life. And Paul says, mm, if you're sowing to the Spirit, the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. And he would say, you know that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. You accept him as your Lord and Savior, but the fruit of that salvation is done by your walk in the Spirit. So you're sowing to the Spirit, and it is you receive the harvest back of eternal life because faith without works is... Hmm. Notice all the references to the Spirit. Wow. There's a lot of churches who would be uncomfortable with that theology. They would go, you know, you need to mention Jesus a little more. Not enough Jesus in the passage. And you're just like, you're trying to make Scripture fit your comfort level. No, that's not how we do this. If a passage makes me uncomfortable, I don't get to skip it. I know, I'll act like I never saw it. No, you, you deal with it. So we see here, there's obvious, it's, so you, what I, I guess what I'm going to try to say is this way. It's obvious that we're not just talking about a experience. We're talking about a relationship. Right? And again, that's probably been some of the misrepresentation about telling people they need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's this picture like it's a one-time thing and then I just go on. No, you are starting a relationship and that is the doorway to that relationship. But after being baptized in the Holy Spirit, do you understand where it's going? It's this. Number three. I probably got 20 of these, but I'm going to cut it down to four. No, I'm just kidding. I got four of them today for you. Okay, here we go. Number three. Everybody read this out loud. The fruit of the Spirit is a product of my cooperating with the Holy Spirit. My will cooperating with the Holy Spirit. So there's something about how Paul wrote this in Galatians that reveals this. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy and drunkenness, orgies and the like. Everybody see the word and the like. So in other words, the list is not exhaustive. He's saying, etc., etc., etc. Okay? He then goes on, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That bothers some people today because some churches are starting to change their the theology and how they preach. And this is very, very clear. You will not enter the kingdom of God, period. 
It's not subject to how I feel, think, or believe. It's what it is. And notice he says, I've said this to you before, and I'm reminding you. So it was just as uncomfortable back then as it is today for some people. Now look at this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Here, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Who did the crucifying? We did. Who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. It is, it is in conjunction with us accepting Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit convicted us. It is us in conjunction working together. The Holy Spirit can convict me, but I have to respond with my will. The Holy Spirit is not going to mug me. I have to choose to respond. And it's what I said earlier. That means I have to start making decisions that don't put me back in the context of what Jesus delivered me from. It doesn't mean that I see how close I can get to the sin. He set me free and learn what, where the line is. It just means this. He set me free from it. I'm out of there, not going back. I'm not going to see how close I can get to it. I'm not going to see, and I'm not going to see, well, how many of those people can I be around? I, there's, listen, if some of you who you have addictions, you understand what I'm saying. There are some people you cannot be back in their presence because of the things that they do will bring you right back into what God set you free from. It's not hatred. It's not that you don't love them. It's just recognizing I've crucified that part of my life. I can't. Go back in there. I can't go to those places. I can't hang out with them anymore. I have to have a life of abstinence. And if, if they're going to be my friend, they have to practice that. I can't be around them. They've crucified it. With its passions and desires. Not headed back into that world. Not going there again. Not going to check it out. Not going not to check on people. I can't. I can't go there. It's part of the crucifixion process. It's part of the sanctification process of just recognizing we have limitations. We have vulnerabilities. And my will in response to the Holy Spirit telling me, you don't want to go there. Instead of, well, I think I can. I mean, I've, after all, I've been set free. For, listen, if the Holy Spirit's whispering in your ear, don't go there, don't go there. All right, number four. Everybody read it out loud. The Holy Spirit empowers our witness by transforming our responses. This is where the context, without, without text without the context can lead to pretext. I've heard this. Spoken so many times, just let's just preach the list. Nothing wrong with that. And it, they're, they're true and authentic uh, messages. But there is a meaning that comes from this when you put it in the context that otherwise you would never know about. So let's take a step back and let's look at the context. You have people who are trying to live for Jesus 
And they're under the thumb and under the power of Rome. Rome's power is not conducive, uh, is not tolerable, is not in harmony with Christian values. And so to, to uh, take some kind of retribution on a Christian in this particular day uh, was not going to lead to anything legally consequential. Now, the Roman government itself, when Galatians was written, had not started its active persecution, but everybody saw it coming. This is about 15 years before the great persecution, 20 years before the great persecution broke out in the 60s, okay? So everybody sees it coming. But right now, it's just sort of a cultural thing that people are doing. They just think the Christians are nuts, they're crazy, and it's okay to take advantage of it. And the Christians really don't have any recourse. Now, I'm just saying, when you have to contend with the power of Rome, the power of the Holy Spirit suddenly doesn't become optional equipment. You start to recognize... If I have to live under the power of Rome and its value system, and they're pumping stuff at me and forcing things down my life and my kid's life that is totally against what I stand for, if it's okay for people to take advantage of me in relationship to my faith and there's really not much I can do about it, I just say to you, welcome to Rome. Do you see how close I'm getting to some stuff this morning? We have people who say, these Christians are holding back the development of our society. They're so archaic. Their views are so backwards. We're educated now. The Christians are people who are educated. In fact, there are some places now in our country in the school systems where they feel that they have to remove their children from your protection and teach them things, but say, don't go home and tell your parents what we're teaching you. Welcome to Rome. How do you beat the power of Rome? The power of the Holy Spirit. It's not done by rioting. It's not done by picketing. It's not done by screaming and shouting. You better have the power of the Holy Spirit or the power of Rome will win. The power of Rome will win the day without the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm just telling you, it's just part of it. And so what he's telling these Christians is this. If you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you, you're to be a witness. You're to be a witness in, in Rome where Rome doesn't want your witness, but you have to do it anyway. But let me tell you what that witness has to be framed with. In other words, what does that witness look like? And he gives the fruit of the Spirit. This is, this is the Holy Spirit, he says, in operation when you have to face Rome. Number one, he says love. It's the Greek word called the agape. This is a love that is unconditional. This is a love that is willful. This is a love that you choose to do. You don't feel like loving them. You choose to do it anyway. They make your life miserable. You love them. Not because they deserve it, not because they're open, not because they're nice, not because it's an emotion. It is an act of the will. Jesus said we're to love our enemies. Friend, that doesn't come because you feel like it. You better have a willpower that says, I choose to love you. And you better have the power of the Holy Spirit to help you. That, he says, is the Holy Spirit working in you to be the witness. When you can love things that hate you, but you love them and you care about what happens to them, that's the Holy Spirit working in you. 
Then he gives the word joy. Joy is not emotionally based, it's an attitude. Joy is this, I have what I need in life. I'm good with what God has done in my life. My outside world may go into chaos, but I have an interior world that Rome cannot touch. I'm happy because I've chosen to live my life a particular way by a certain set of values. And you know what? It may become unpopular. I may even find myself as the only person in the room who's willing to live by those values, but I'm good with that. Because I'm not doing it because it's popular. I'm doing it because I know it's right and I feel good. And I'm happy with my choice about how I choose to live my life. Even though Rome says, you're archaic. You're backwards. You're intolerant. You're hateful. No. I'm just right. I don't know if that went over well or not. (laughs) Think about it. When you know that you know that you know. And I've sat, I've, I've been in venues where the verbal venom was flying. I've been there. Can I tell you what goes through my head? Okay, I won't tell you what goes through my head. All right, I'll tell you what goes through my head. God, they don't know that they don't know. That's what people sound like when they don't know that they don't know. Because I've said this before, it's, it's, what's happening in our culture is called a big social experiment. It's never worked. History has shown it's never worked. In any society, in any culture, it has always collapsed. But they're just convinced now that we have enough education and we're smart enough and we can make it work. And I wanna say, you think we're smart? See, right there is where we already start to part ways. I'm telling you, science, let me tell you something about science. The best science can say is this, the truth as we know it today, that's the only thing they say, because they always have to be open to the fact that they might learn something tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, next decade, next century. So the best that they can ever, ever say is the truth as we know it today, because they know that there can always be things out there they don't know. I love what Jesus said. He says, let me tell you about my truth. It's good today, tomorrow, next week, next year. He said, heaven and earth will pass away before anything in my word does. See, that's the difference between science and the Bible. Okay? I didn't have that in the notes. I just wanted to throw that in as a bonus to you, you know, so. (laughs) Then the word peace. It means having it all together in peace in, in mind and heart. It means that even though the outside world is just shaking on the inside, you're going, I'm good. And you're like, how can you be so peaceful? How can you be so calm? Because I know I'm on the right trajectory. I know know I've got solid footing. See, this is why so many followers of Christ around the world in so many adverse conditions and difficult circumstances face some of the calamity and some of the things that they are with such calm. When our, a decade or two ago when our, our, our regional uh, uh, leader in Iran was caught and he was being put on trial and they convicted him, they were going to execute him. And you know what he said before he was executed? He said, it's a terrible thing for Christians to die of natural causes. <laughs> How many know you just want to shut down the service and just say, oh God, forgive me for living comfort? He just said, no, man, you, you need, Christians need to decide what they're willing to die for. Just this morning, I read a story 
of some Christians in North Korea that have been snagged up and caught and incarcerated. One particular family, incarcerated because they had a Bible. That's it, they had a Bible. They even put the two-year-old in prison. Why do people do that? Why, 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 do, why are followers of Christ, be, they have a peace. I know I'm doing right. Doesn't matter what my leader of my country says. Doesn't matter what the, those around me say. I know I'm right. And we're going to have a Bible in my house. And if it brings the forces of Rome upon me, I'm good. You see, you don't know how needy you are for the power of the Holy Spirit until you find yourself in some of those contexts. I will tell you this. I think we're beyond comfort. I think we're desperate for the power of the Holy Spirit in this culture. Not to riot, not to picket, not to scream. Catch me on this, please. To live the life in spite of what other people say. To live. To live the life no matter what other people say. I choose to live by these values. I don't have to march, scream, holler, threaten. I just have to breathe. I thought it was good. <laughs> Forbearance, enduring injuries inflicted by others. Forbearance is this. They injure you hoping to provoke you. Not giving in. Will not be provoked. No matter what they do, I will not yield. And throw my faith to the wind to get even. No. Then he says kindness. Kindness is responding out of concern to others. Even those people who don't know that they don't know. What happens to them matters to you. Because except for the grace of God, that would be you. Revenge has never won anybody over. Have you ever heard anybody's testimony? I'll tell you what, when they took revenge. No, you know what you hear? My friends, my family, they just never gave up on me. I gave them every reason in the world they should have given up on me years ago. I, I was a horrible person. And they just kept coming back. Goodness. This is a moral, spiritual excellence. It's a character. It means I will not change my morals, my character that I run my life by just because some heat is brought down on me. I'm going to live by these values, period. It's not based on a situation. It's based on that's who I am. Whether it's tough or easy, these are my values, my choice, my character. He then goes on to say faithfulness. This is trusting in God. It's being loyal to God. Even when I do not understand why he is letting something happen. I have a mentality that is cause and effect oriented. I want to say when something bad happens in my life, I want to know what I did wrong 
so that I can go fix it. And that means the problem goes away. I don't like it when God says, nah, you didn't do anything wrong. I just thought you needed to spread your wings a little bit. Well, I don't want to spread my wings. Make the problem go away. It's time to walk the valley of the shadow of death that David talked about. Well, I don't want to walk that valley. I rebuke that. It's easy when we can say, I did this, and that's what happened, so that I can go fix it, and then I can get out of it. But what happens when God says, no, it's just time for you to take a walk there? Well, yeah, I don't like that. You need to take the walk. It's faithfulness. I trust you with what you're doing. Gentleness. This is the taming of a wild animal. It means submitted. It's, listen, it's power that is under control that can be used for constructive purposes. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, all of us are a wild animal that could go hurt somebody. We need the gentleness. Amen? The last one is this, is self-control. It's the ability to restrain passions and appetites. It's the ability to go... No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. Just because you think it doesn't mean you need to say it. Just because you think it doesn't mean you need to do it. That's self-control. I'm, I'm not going there. Uh-uh. Not doing it. See, that's, that's using, that's making the Holy Spirit. That's the vehicle the Holy Spirit rides. When I have those attitudes in my heart, The power of the Holy Spirit is delivered to a person who is an unbeliever and it makes an impact because they go, I don't understand why you responded this way. You should have and you go, I know I should have, but if if you had Jesus do in your heart what he's done in mine, you'd understand. I don't do that. I'm choosing to respond. Let me tell you something. If you haven't seen the spirit of the power of Rome is among us and we need the power of the Holy Spirit to face that power that has decided to come into our land and say not here because we serve Jesus and everybody said amen come on let's stand to our feet as we wrap up the service would you and listen we're gonna sing that song that we did last week called Holy Spirit you are welcome in this place and I don't want you just to sing it I want you to make it a prayer. Come on, sing it. Lift your hands. Come on. In Holy Spirit, you are Come on. Come on, make it your prayer. Come this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts to be overcome by your presence. Come on, sing it again. Lord, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what I Now come on, I want you to lift your hands and I want you for the 
next 60 seconds to ask God for an, a, a new dimension of His Holy Spirit in your life. Come on, don't stand there and be quiet. I want us all to invite a new dimension of His Spirit. Come on, everybody, lift your voice now. something in the scripture though when it says that they experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit there were always two things that they were doing they were praising and they were praying praising and, and we I just we we've done this song last week we did it today do you notice you're speaking directly to the Holy Spirit you're not singing about the Holy Spirit you're singing to the Holy Spirit what I want to challenge you is this this week to be singing that song and praying. I just give you that challenge. You say, well, I don't know if I can remember the words. You know how to Google. You will find whatever you want to find. But I'm telling you, I challenge you this week to be singing and praying about the Holy Spirit. I challenge you to do that. It has always, in the New Testament, ushered in a new dimension of the Holy Spirit into their lives. Everybody said amen. Come on, lift your hands as I say the blessing and we go. I bless you in the name of the Lord. May he bless you in this city and in this county. May the fruit of your womb and the crops of your land, all your livestock be blessed. May he bless the work of your hands at home, at work, at church, in this community. May he bless your coming and your going. May the Lord grant the enemies that rise up against you be defeated. When they come at you in one direction, let them flee from you in seven directions. May the Lord send a blessing on everything you put your hand to do. May he continue to establish you as his holy people. May all people see you've been called by the name of the Lord. 
May the Lord grant you prosperity, opening up the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty. May he bless the work of your hands. I bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everybody give a shout of amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. Have a great day. Oh.